We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 346 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Jim Hilton, and he's Emil Evanesian. How's it going today, Emil? I'm well, Dan. How are you? I'm okay, but we are flipping the switch back to negative, unfortunately, for so much of our stories. <laughs> the match review, we're going to do Laporta and the tickets, mm-hmm. and PK is all in the show. But where we start is a little fun announcement, a little fun review. I guess not really an announcement, more of a reveal that people would have seen, probably if they clicked on this already. Well, it's not live on the podcast apps yet. It's the one spot where the logo and the banner and stuff have not been updated, but we have an <laughs> entirely new look on Barsupply.com, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon, YouTube, you name it, we have a new look. Graphic designer Dan Lynch, shout out to him, designed it, and I'm really, really excited about it. And for anyone who's been it's following super along, cool. Thank you. Yeah, for anyone who's been following along for a few months now, yeah, the next announcement, uh, next announcement is another big one. So I think everyone knows what that means. But yes, we're so close. We're almost there. Uh, I just legally, I need to be able to, to do it if, if that makes any sense. So yeah, that's what's on the horizon next. But for now, that's a positive Let's jump into all the negative here, and that is a one nothing loss to Cadiz at home. It doesn't get much worse than that. I think there are excuses as to Cadiz being, we'll say, the, the kind of style of kryptonite against Barcelona. They took four sure. points off them last year. It's difficult mm-hmm. to break them down, but I think Barca just weren't good enough. Cadiz also got yeah. the better chances in this match, and Barca, I, I think there are times when I say deserve you know, deserve is the big keyword there, that there are times that Barca will struggle against a team that is playing a low block or playing eight at the back, and they deserve to win, they don't. But yesterday, Barca didn't deserve to win. They deserve to lose one nothing, which I think makes yes. it even worse. So, yeah, I'm going to start with that, and you can start with the big, you know, big picture negativity from that match. <laughs> Good times. So the, the one thought about yesterday's game was, I agree with you, Barca did not deserve... To win the game and for the reasons that you later i mean just you know Cadiz for one reason or another just they do seem to match up well with them at least you know over these last couple of seasons and i think the one thing that you noted on the one hand i mean this seems like the sort of game that a superior team sometimes comes out of a result that they don't necessarily deserve i mean the saves that the Cadiz gold keep some of the saves that the Cadiz goalkeeper made yesterday were phenomenal. I mean, that was exactly the kind of game where you could almost see the bottom of the table team, you know, nearly pulling off the the monumental win at Camp Nou, and you know, but some missile from Dembele or someone just you know after after six or seven good to excellent saves, just one gets through as one is sometimes prone to. But yesterday they didn't. I mean, they're yeah, the Cadiz goalkeeper was fantastic, and Barca were on the whole not. Yeah, Jeremy Esledesma. It was a Demele long range shot, the Luke yep. de Young header, Obama Yang's volley late, <laughs> and Barcelona from the time that Obama Yang came on and Langley and well and Adama Traore actually came on in the seventy eighth minute mm. and Langley goes off and now you have one center back on the field. Xavi clearly threw everything in the kitchen sink at yep. that game, but it was a little bit too late. And as much as you know, we can praise Ledesma because, yeah, he not even stood on his head. He had some good saves. He had some decent saves. He made yeah, all exactly. the saves he had to make. But as far as the way that Barcelona were peppering with chances and things, I mean, especially Memphis Dubai, that was, I think, the big decision that Xavi made up top. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a reasonable decision, right? I think there are people that are questioning the 11. 
My difference was that I would have started De Young as a center back and mm-hmm. played Nico, Gabi, and Busquets in the midfield, and okay. you know, and then had Eric Garcia as the left back because mm-hmm. against a low block like that, there are. I mean, I can't say this credit. I'm going to give the credit to Langley. I'm going to say the one positive mm-hmm. about him, and then I'm probably going to eviscerate <laughs> him. But he was four for five on his long balls, and he was actually pretty good at those balls over the top and those yep. diagonal balls coming from left back. He even had the same third field passes up to Alba as well, which mm-hmm. weren't too bad. And same thing for Ferran Torres when he would check in and check two. But Memphis up top wasn't ready yet to start that game, but yeah. Aubameyang has also played... 90 minutes over and over again or 70 minutes or whatever and kind of needed to be rotated in that yeah. same way and so with Ansu still out and this is going to be a common theme here with Ansu still out you had to go with Memphis in that situation and he was just just too rusty his movement yeah. with Ferran Torres wasn't there mm-hmm. or wasn't what it needed to be when he would check to Busquets or De Young, the spacing was off which is mm-hmm. another issue where when you play against a low block and those two very very narrow blocks of four or sorry mm-hmm. lines of four you have got to be able to create in the in the spaces in between and Memphis yep. to receive the ball from usually Busquets he would bypass the midfield as well so that even when Memphis would receive the ball with his back to goal mm-hmm. he now has eight guys still behind him yep. and then when he would try to run onto it those passes just weren't being found I think you know the accuracy of passes were not what they needed to be even if they got to mm-hmm. their target so they count as an accurate pass they were not in it wasn't the kind of controllable ball or right. yeah it wasn't yeah it wasn't delivered in a way where you can just get the ball and do something with it i mean a, a lot of that is sort of it has elements of basketball to it both in the sense of when you were saying when he's holding up the ball he was you know further out it's it's almost when you're trying to post up like you can't get pushed so far off of your mm-hmm. preferred position like you don't want if you're trying to post up you don't want to be 18 feet from the basket and this was kind of like that where you want to set up shop in a particular place but you're coming back to receive the ball in a way where you're still leaving yourself a lot of work and a lot of defenders that, that need to be bypassed before you can create any kind of meaningful chance yeah and i, I don't even wonder if well i do wonder a little bit if Farron torres had set up shop in the middle and memphis had been taken mm. out wide if that would have been a bit more helpful to barcelona mm. set up because Usman dembele was the one player who really showed up for barcelona yesterday again yep. i harp on it in the same way against eintracht frankfurt when they fell earlier in the week mm. or last week that dembele maybe it's because he gets jeered maybe it's because he's the one who's dealt with all those boos that he didn't mind all that negativity at home that yeah. he seems to be almost above all this drama because he's already in the drama, right? He is. The because I think there's a, I, I think that's absolutely right. I think he's probably just like, man, they treat me like this all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, just welcome to the club guys. Yeah. And just, yeah. But um, I mean, he really does seem to have, he seems to be more, you know, especially in the last few games, he seems to be more of a calming influence than just about anyone else that's on the pitch. And in the sense of, or, you know, reliable or, I don't want to say comfortable in the environment, but at least adaptable to it or, you know, able to able to function at a higher level in that kind of an environment more so than a lot of the other guys. Yeah. And even the mistakes, quote unquote, mistakes he made, I I think, had a lot to do with usage where Mm. I'm not going to compare him to James Harden of the NBA again, but I'll do it a little (laughs) bit where even when James Harden is good, actually, Steph Curry is a better one. But even when Steph Curry is good, he turns the ball over a ton of times. And those are things you live with. Because once again, for Dembele, I'm not worried about how many times he turns it over, but where he turns the ball over. Mm-hmm. And there was one or two times when he did turn it over as he was beginning his move, but he was also dribbling into a double team. And, yeah. you know, the not to say the disastrous or calamitous performance that Frankie de Young put in yesterday, but mm-hmm. de Young and Gabi weren't Pedri, and they showed you that they weren't putting themselves in positions to mm-hmm. continue that ball along or to, again... Even when De Young goes to drive the ball or went to drive the ball yesterday, again, he's mm-hmm. driving not by receiving in between the lines, but driving in front of their midfield line, meaning he's yeah. again dribbling at eight. And so unless he's going to deliver a perfect ball to usually it's either Ferran Torres coming in on that mm-hmm. far post or it's Memphis again attempting to do something up the middle you know mm-hmm. Dembele is always going to still be set up out wide. You know, Dembele is not yep. making a run in behind. And if he is, it's a wide it's a wide run. It's a wide run in. Right, yeah. for that cross into the near post. And again, no one was at that near post. And then De Young mm-hmm. wasn't even, again, Barcelona weren't even progressing the ball far enough for De Young to make those runs into the box, to look for, uh, have, have Busquets look for him over the top. And the way that Cadiz... Were, no, he just had to drive into the teeth of 
yeah. teeth of the defense and, you know, kind of make what he could out of, out of that. And I mean, that's tough. That like, that's a tough way to make a yeah. living, you know? And Barca didn't have an answer with Cadiz whenever they would come out of their shell. Again, Cadiz got the better opportunities on the counterattack. Mm-hmm. And that's now been back-to-back games where that counterattack that looked so solid was a mistake. And I think now is the time yeah. where we need to kind of talk about Eric Garcia and Clement Langley here. It's tough because it's not in defense of Clement Langley. He hasn't been on the field much, but, Mm-mm. you know, things can be two things. Uh, as as Daryl Grove of Total Soccer Show always said that, you know, <laughs> Langley is both not fit, but also reasonably not good enough and understandably not playing in games. Because the one thing that Lang does well is defend is to Mm -hmm. step up and cut out those space and anticipates well but both he and Garcia are anticipation center backs because their physical tools do not allow them to break down space the way Araujo does Uh, even Mm -hmm. PK to a point is you know we'll say quicker if you will or better at breaking out counterattacks physically and sliding in with his with his height than Lele and Garcia are they're just a bit too plotting and that goal well I I think what you're talking about especially with PK it's like it's and I think it is quickness with PK but it's it's quickness over a really short space but it's reaction time more than maybe than even fast twitch quickness but yeah it's that reaction it's that half second earlier when you recognize something and throw your foot out yeah and Langley Garcia and Ter Stegen collectively made one mistake Mm -hmm. in yesterday's game and mm-hmm. against Cadiz, that's a game that Barcelona, in theory, should win 2-1. But unfortunately, yep. they didn't. Lengle mm-hmm. was ball-watching. And Ter Stegen, whether you can argue he could have come off his line to try to collect that ball, I- I'm not sure. I-, I think the distance is pretty tough. And that's a circumstance where if your center back in being Lengle isn't mm-hmm. ball-watching, Lengle easily heads that out. And it was concerning and frustrating because on the other side of it, you have Fali, a former Barca B player, yep. who apparently really did shake up when Garcia Pimienta brought him in. He really did shake up what was a very young team a few seasons ago mm-hmm. and, and help them stay in what was at the time the second division bay, I believe. Or maybe that was still before they were relegated. But either way, uh, to see Fali and Hernandez just be so lockstep with Ledesma mm-hmm. and that trio be so organized, be able to handle every single cross in from Barca, every run yep. in behind from Memphis and Ferran Torres and Barca, you felt like if they had just six or seven times they had to face that down, Cadiz should have scored three. And if they had yeah. to just, again, continue to face down those things, that they did not have the organization to do that. And again, another excuse to be made is that Garcia and Langley don't have any chemistry together. I think that was their first mm-hmm. start or second start. I mean, they've played together before, but maybe their first start together. So to not have Araujo, to not have PK, I actually saw something. I think it was, uh, wait, was it? Was the stat Garcia and Langley had Opta Opta Jose or Opta Jose mm-hmm. had Barcelona prior to last night hadn't started hadn't lost any of the three games that Garcia and Langley had started together. Mm-hmm. They had two wins and a draw, but um, yeah, but it's one of those things that the the visual evidence doesn't support that even though you know it's it's empirically true yeah. you just you watch it and you're like how, how is this how is this a thing that actually happened we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. 
And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough, and as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Yeah, and I think that the, uh, I, I, here I am defending Garcia and digging my heels <laughs> in, but the compliments that we gave Garcia and how important he was mm-hmm. as a left center back, as even when PK went down during that 15-game unbeaten streak, for the compliments that were given him then, and some people started to change their minds, again, the minute the last two games happened, it's all switched again. And now next season's center back core or parent or grouping is PK, Araujo, Christensen, and yeah. oh, now Barcelona need two center backs or three yeah. center backs. And it's now Garcia isn't even going to be trusted to be a four center back. And I think that doesn't that that argument, though, show the depth that that seems to be always a disconnect when players struggle for Barcelona or when the team has a bad result and you have to figure out who to blame, who's not going to be a part of next season's squad, yeah. that if the problem is depth and rotation, that the minute Araujo gets suspended and PK is out through injury and Pedri is out through injury and Ansu is out through injury, mm-hmm. and then the players who are on the field aren't good enough, you say, well, get XYZ out of my club, get them out of the club. And then there are so many people that say that in, in such you know, large swaths that I do the math yeah. and I go, you have nine people in next year's squad. Like you're, you're oh, trying yeah. to get rid of Ter Stegen, Eric, and PK is too old. Of course, he's washed when he needs to be. Alba, yes. Busquets, get them out of my club. Luke de Young is too slow. Memphis doesn't make sense anymore. So, I mean, I always kind of take the mind of when I look at next season's squad and to say who shouldn't be carried on, like, yeah, you, I don't know if they're going to find a way to get MTT off the books. I mean, they kind of have to because, again, he's, he is just, such dead weight at this point but even yeah. like lay lay can't be the four center back option and that's why christensen is coming in so whether or not you can get lang lay off the books it doesn't really matter but i think he's of the mind where he's going to want to leave anyway for chances if he knows he's the fifth center back and i think on yeah. the center back point you know you should have your fifth or sixth center back be probably a barca b player so the fact that we have not seen arnold kamas at all and we mm-hmm. have not seen mika marmal at all unfortunately says a bit about how they're performing under Sergio right. Bazan, and they've been fine but again the same weekend the or just a day prior it was an absolute blasting from athletic Belares for barca b mm-hmm. who have just been completely off it so i mean i don't know if xavi has the confidence to put a barca b player a 20 year old or 22 year old for arnold kamas into his first team when at the third division level, they just let in five goals, right? It's just like, it's, it's, it's not, even if they individually didn't play poorly, it's just, it, it's not a situation that's going to work. And yeah, Ling Lei is just one mistake. And that's what it's been for three years now, right? It's one mistake in every match, but that mistake is a penalty giving up or ball watching. Oh, yeah, they wind up once. being lethal. Yeah, yeah lethal. Every, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, in, yeah, like going back to the point that you're talking about with the, the get get X out of my club contingent is yeah I always think about that that if management actually listened to enough of these people you know I mean you're effectively 
the the call i guess is to gut the entire squad and not do like an expansion draft where you get you know they cast off some other teams basically everyone wants the squad to be gutted and somehow reupholstered with world class talent and not just world class talent but world class talent that knows how to step in and kind of play the barca way and jives with Xavi and all of the it, i mean it's it's the kind of thing that if Barca had the financial, you know, the financial wherewithal of Man City and PSG, that's a tough undertaking to suddenly say, yeah, let's scrap these nine guys and get awesome replacements for all of them. Yeah, with so, our zero euros. Remember that. Yeah, exactly. Barca yeah, with a max out credit card. And yeah. yeah. So, I mean, look, the thing is, Eric Garcia has shown a capacity to play well. I mean, I don't, the the whole notion of you go from starting center back to completely unfit for the team get him out of here you know this is beyond his level unfortunately it's characteristic but it's also it's you know it's kind of frustrating to to have to parse out because he's shown a capability to play with these players at a decent level okay so maybe you don't want him to be your every game starter that's totally fair and understandable if he is your fourth center back or your you know your fifth center back that's not a disaster. Well, I don't actually even want him as the right center back. I think he should be the left center back. And that was yeah. the, the one odd issue where mm. Barca have two left-footed center backs, that's seeing Lele and Umtiti, because their top yep. three center backs are all right-footed. But yep. the way that Barca plays with that switch of play out to Dembele or Dominatore on the right wing, it makes mm. most sense to have Eric Garcia be able to play as a left center back. And so because Langley, I mean, it, it, it's nonsense then to put Langley as the right center back mm-hmm. and Garcia as the, as the left center back. That makes no sense to do that. So I understand yep. the way that the way Xavi set that team up. The other difference would be, too, I'm not sure about how healthy Alvo, uh, Alves was, but, you know, Des works well with Dembele. But I was mm-hmm. wondering about that control as well. And Dembele, you know, in against these low blocks has a difficulty impacting the game. But again, yeah. I, I actually think the partnership of Dembele and Dest is a bright light as I kind of pivot here mm. to back to Dembele just for a second, that he's been so important that I don't know how they're going to do this, but I know that this, the club and Dembele's grouping are kind of going back and forth a little bit. And, you know, it, as we talk about musical chairs, the Holland news also kind of pushed forward a bit this week yep. with, we knew about Man City and it really does really feel like Man City at this point. Yeah. And Mbappe is either PSG or Madrid. So looking at the big splash or whatever, musical chairs of players that are even available and Salah's going to stay at Liverpool, Dembele on that, on that group, in that group of, you know, Holland, again, you have to pay for it, but on that group of big splash players, <laughs> Dembele is very quickly, very quickly, almost at the top of that list as well. And, and well, yeah, I, I, mean, I, I think it'd be, if, if he were, if he were still under contract past this season, or, you know, or if he hits the open market, I imagine he'll be fairly sought after. I mean, I think the... Well, that's what I'm saying, the, that even yeah, whether that, he that was... that previous kind of... A lot of the question marks in that previous sort of damaged goods reputation seem to have, you know, totally dissipated. Yeah. And yeah, I agree. I mean, so I think he's... I, so I think that's he's the argument. as good as you can do on the transfer market, if you're, especially if you're Barca. Yeah. So is he that big splash that... Certainly, I don't want the club to go past their line to ruin their their new wave structure because that's what's mm-hmm. going to create fortification to be able to make big splashes in the next three to five years when they not say even need to. But you know, let's say things don't go well with Ansu Fati. That's I think that's continuing to be for me the biggest question mark of squad building for the next five 100%. years mm-hmm. is Ansu's health. And you know, two or three years from now, when it's he's twenty one, twenty two, and you're going oh. Like he has not been healthy and it's been five mm-hmm. years. It's it's time to, we have to make that big splash now until the next Holland is coming yep. to Barcelona and they have to have the funds to do that. But in the interim, can they push that line a little bit for those negotiations for Dembele and meet somewhere because they're going to have to. And his importance to this squad, you know, there are very few players who are able to change, I mean, utterly change a game for Barcelona. And Dembele is on a short list of players who do that. It's really is what Dembele, it's Ansu and it's yep. Pedri. Those are the three that can change, just seem to be able to change a game for you with force of will, where you yeah, kind of snap your fingers and the game is now different because those guys decided to, you know, be the man, if you will, for yeah, 15 kind of seconds. Guys who can impose their will on a game. Yeah, I agree. Because I think, yeah, the only other person that I that I think 
a little bit falls into that category, but he needs service is Aubameyang. Oh, I thought you said Luke. I thought you gave me the Luke to Young, Emil. <laughs> oh, you know what? I mean, I mean, he, it's the right answer. It's the right look, answer. Look, say what right we now, will. But... Yeah, I mean, the the man keeps. If he's not putting yeah. it in the net, he is. I mean, yesterday not doing he, anything. Those are the two options. Go, but when he got <laughs> on that header yesterday, <laughs> I was like, I was. I never thought I'd say these words. I was legitimately shocked when Luke DeYoung got to that ball that it didn't wind up in the back of the net. Mm -hmm. These are words that I did not expect to say. But when I saw him, I was like, oh, yeah, of course. This is like, this is our secret weapon. And he comes in and he, I don't know, just unearths a goal. He's like the the truffle pig of this team. Like Mm -hmm. he just, he knows where to go to, to, just manufacture a goal. No, but um, I mean, I think it's Aubameyang in a, in a sense, because he has, you know, certain qualities, but he needs service. But the, the three guys that you mentioned are able to do it just with the ball. I mean, it, it goes back. I mean, I guess we'll stick with the, you know, we'll touch the basketball theme again. It's sort of the, the guys who can create their own shot versus guys who are deadly, but need, need service. Yeah. And I think now the big picture stuff, the more concerning part of yesterday's match is that, mm-hmm. yeah, it was now four straight poor starts for Barcelona in a game. They lacked a bit of intensity. They looked tired. And they've also now conceded first in 14 of Xavi's 30 matches this season, which mm-hmm. isn't great. Like, it shows you that no. even though they were winning games, they they were still in the other matches kind of struggling out of the gate. Like, there. they haven't been in cruise control the entire time. They've no. looked miles better than they did before. But they've, yeah, they've hardly been just, you know, in... In autopilot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and where that puts them now in the standings is they're still second with that game in hand mm-hmm. on 60 points, tied with Sevilla mm-hmm. and Atleti, with Real Betis on 57, and then La Real, who they play on Thursday, on 55. So it is quite the race now for three yep. spots. Five of the, Three of those five t- uh, teams will grab those three spots. Barcelona are still in the driver's seat with that game in hand against Raya Barcano, who are also a team that are greatly struggling of late. Yep. So, yes, in theory, Barcelona still are in the best position to finish top four, but they do not have Pedri. Again, you still don't know what form Ansu will mm-hmm. get in. And without Pedri, who has been their best player for the last two months, and again, yeah. no PK, where they truly, I mean, Araujo even as well. Like, yesterday, we're missing their top two best defenders, or yep. best center backs, and their best midfielder, and arguably their best finisher still yes. so you mm-hmm. know it's, it's I'm, I'm not making excuses they have to have the depth to be able to manage mm-hmm. those uh, you have to be able to beat Cadiz at home no matter what right you and I should be one of the members of the 11 and you should still be able to beat Cadiz at home if you're FC yeah. Barcelona just because again sheer force of will right Xavi can give me enough instructions for for, for three well, or four days and can we you know I'm not me but uh, you know okay, no, 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 but, but the thing is the 11 that he did roll out are superior I mean just on paper, in a vacuum, whatever, clearly superior to the opposition. Mm-hmm. I mean, at, you know, it, yeah. it's not, they are missing, they were missing their two best center backs, their best midfielder and their best finisher, but there's still, you know, a, a foundation of talent. There's enough to be a mid-table <laughs> La Liga team with what they rolled out there yesterday, even with even with the absences. Yeah, and, and that's what's disappointing, like you said, right? You like, got to be able to be Cadiz at home. Mm-hmm. And that's when you have even that. that it feels like this team got punched in the mouth, partly mm-hmm. by their own fan base as well, which we're about to get to. And yeah. they haven't recovered. And I think yep. what I've been speaking about, especially after Real Madrid, one of the things I brought up in my five headlines that day was, you know, can Barcelona win the games they have to win? Can they win the yeah. big ones? I mean, my it, the concern really has never been for football club Barcelona to be able to generally get three points against a team like Hadith. And yeah, they struggled against them last year. You know, mm-hmm. they they. Cadiz, again, got four points off him. So they haven't beaten Cadiz now in quite a little bit of time. But Barcelona is still the bottom half of the table of the teams that they beat as they're supposed to. And the question was, can they overcome? You know, beating Atletico Madrid was huge. Beating Sevilla was huge. Beating Real Madrid the way they did was huge. And I started to get that belief that can they beat, can they win those big games in La Liga? Can mm. they win those big games in Europe? Because that is what wins you trophies. That's the difference between yep. just a good team that's fighting for a spot, a seat at the table, and a team that can win a trophy. And yep. not to say that yesterday and Eintracht Frankfurt Europa League weren't big matches, but it was frustrating because the Cadiz felt like a big match because it was a match that elicited a response, a proper response. And yes. so I was, I was frustrated. And I think, you know, Xavi said the same thing that this team didn't show the intensity and the strength 
in, in of the mind that is required to go out and get a result. Because I did. Like, I, I had faith in Xavi. I had faith in this team that they had not, say, turned over a new leaf, but if they had fully exercised those demons, they would have gone out and they would have battered Cadiz 6 nothing or 5 nothing yesterday as well. That's what I thought was going to happen because I thought they had turned over a new leaf. And to see them kind of wilt... And even with the crowd, you know, the, the Grada, uh, as we're going to transition to yeah. the press conference, with the, the Grada to Amasio, Amasio, with them skipping the game, so that being the yeah. fan section at the Goal Nord, for them to completely skip, you heard a few protests, yeah. but I heard that it was a lot less protesting Laporte and him being dismissed than, mm-hmm. than there was support. But you could tell yeah. that even the, the mass amount of the crowd there, the team's performance ebbed and flowed with what they saw. This team got jeered and got booed at times this team got cheered when they did the right thing or they looked like they had intensity and ambition and it was so weird to watch this team go up and down throughout the match depending on how much support they had from that crowd and you almost think that these players as professionals have got to be above and beyond all that that whether they're getting whistled or not well well, that's what you that's what you think right i mean it's you know at, at the highest level you know you play away games you play big away games and you know, I mean, I can't even imagine, you know, every one of these guys, whether internationally or at club level, has played a game where they played in front of thousands of hostile fans who are not trying to be the least bit courteous in what they're screaming at you and, and what they're doing. So, and I understand it, it probably is a little bit of a stomach punch when that's happening, you know, on your home turf. I mean, in what's supposed to be, you know, kind of your sanctuary and you have this you know, this kind of storm brewing there. Yeah. And like it reminds me when you're a kid, when you're a kid, like and you're bouncing around different friend groups yeah. trying to figure out who you are and who you want mm-hmm. to be and who you want to hang out with. And then I, I guess now we're, we're drumming up personal trauma, but you know, and then sure. you, you think that you found a group of friends or, you know, you're in seventh grade or whatever, and you think you found a group mm-hmm. of friends and things are working out. And then one of them will make or will make a comment or say something and you mm-hmm. go, oh, I'm not really safe here. Like, I, I like, this is not yeah. actually the friends I'm supposed to be with. I, like, yeah. I don't want to be hanging out with at least some yeah. of these people because they don't really like, you know, I can't really trust in them. Like they're not really people that, yeah. you know, have my back. And, they might be fun, but again, like you're still figuring out who, you, you know, where you need to be. And, oh, totally. And like where, where the safe place yeah. is. And, and I and think the this team is, is like that, right? Like they're, I mean, obviously they're safe. And place the problem here home, is their but, friends are imposed on them. <laughs> true. You know, it's, you're, they're these terrible. Are the I'm on Twitter. That no, they have, there's no friendship on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. But like, but these are the quote friends who are, but, but these friends or these people that you hang out with are imposed on you based on their willingness and ability to, you know, buy season tickets or mm. buy tickets and walk into a stadium. I mean, there's no, you know, the, the, there's no sense of kind of safety and security there because I'm with you prior to this last week, you know, prior to the last two games, I sincerely felt like Barca had turned a corner. You know, the, the Frankfurt game was weird. I mean, just in the sense that, you know, you, you give up, you give away a penalty and you're down one nil inside of three minutes. You know, I mean, the, that whole game just sort of got topsy turvy. I mean, not that they did a whole lot to, to turn it around, but I understand they were kind of put back on their heels last night's game. I felt like it was, I went into it feeling like it was a perfunctory La Liga game. You know, they're going to win. Worst case, it's going to be like 2-1. Best case, you know, we do another one of these 3-4 nils and it's awesome. But Mm -hmm. it was sort of, yeah, when the the Cuddy's goal went in, it got the sense of a big game, like you said, but not in the good way. (laughs) But it, it suddenly got very nervy and it was, because this was only going to be a big game if they dropped points. And it's suddenly that peril of dropping points made it into a big game. And I almost got the sense that I don't know that the Barca players were prepared for that shift in sentiment. I think they kind of figured too, we're going to go through, we're going to, you know, even if we do a seven out of 10, six out of 10 job, that should be enough to to scrape a victory. And, you know, we'll, we'll go get them, you know, we'll go to, we'll go to San Sebastian after that. And, you know, yeah, it's and it's not even the players on the field. It's like the club in general too. Like yeah. th- this club is always just a, a monorail at Disney World, where it's it's every time it gets on the track, then all of a sudden there's an announcement. Hello, the yeah. train is broken. We'll 
get off the train. <laughs> we'll find a new one. And then you get on another train, and then you wait to hope you, that one stays on the tracks. And you hear a yeah. little bit of skid, and you're like, oh my god, I'm gonna die. And then, and then, I mean, yeah. I haven't been to Disney World in 20 years. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it wasn't working when I was there. But anyway. <laughs> I was gonna say it's like it's like the L train in New York. But yeah. you know, <laughs> just, you know, it, it could it could yeah. be it could be fairly smooth. I mean, I think you could I think, be sitting in a tunnel for 45 minutes. Yeah, I mean, the L train to me is kind of like being like an Espanol fan where you just don't get on the train at all. Like that, that would be my my. But like my, I don't know. How, yeah, how yeah, does this just, come up for you? Yeah, yeah exactly. Just, just get a new. I mean, that's just some New York stuff there. But all right. So as far as why I mean about the club, where as as much as it feels like, in theory, it's easier even without Pedri, it's easier to get the train back on track under Xavi and under this team because Araujo will be back for Real Sociedad. While Pedri is gone for the season, Ansu still, there are rumors that he could be back by the end of the month. So for that last, there's seven games left, so he could be back for the last mm-hmm. four or whatever. And it's not that, again, he's going to be some savior, but every time Ansu has returned, there has been an emotional lift. And so even yep. if he comes back once, <laughs> there's one game where you know this team is going to be up to it because Ansu has returned. And there just seems to be yes. something very special about the way this team rallies around their new number 10. That mm-hmm. I almost not to say I, I chalk that game up as a victory, regardless of which game it is. But I do think the team will rally behind him in that way. But the yeah, they'll get a, they'll get a good performance, right? So even if this team though in results gets back on track, it feels like the club itself has also gone off the rails a bit recently in the last week or two, which is really frustrating because it felt like they had righted the ship. The January transfer window was as good as it was. But, you know, people, you know, I felt like discourse for a month and a half as the results were good. We're talking about Matteo Alamani. Oh, he's a master dealer. Who's he going to bring yeah. in the summertime? More free agents. Kessier, Christensen, let's do our homework. Let's all figure it out. And then the minute things go bad, now immediately I'm like, well, it really should have been Kessier. It shouldn't have been Bubakar Kamara or, right? <laughs> like, or, or, right? And then the, yeah. I, you start to question everything. And then Laporta comes out with this press conference, which it's one of those where, I don't know why he did it. I don't know why Laporta did this mm. This press conference. Here's a quote here. Club is not to blame for what happened against Eintracht, but it is responsible. So he's saying he wants to take maximum responsibility, but also in the same breath as a politician does, does not. <laughs> he blamed the fans discussing the 7,000 season ticket holders and 7,800 socios who resold their tickets to German fans. Quote, Germans tried to buy tickets normally, but the system prevented them from doing so. They found other ways through these agents and reselling platforms. He also blamed the previous board for failure of ticketing system that a allowed Eintracht Frankfurt fans to get in such large numbers. And uh, he also now has put forth that there will be non-transferable tickets for domestic games. But as I said, I don't know why he did this press conference at all, because to me, it seemed like it was a very small contingent that was asking for his dismissal. And there was this thing where in the 24-hour news cycle, and I don't know if Catalan, you can speak to this. I don't know if Catalan news is just like the regular news, especially in the U.S., where I mean, basically, you do something wrong, and seven hours later, you're pretty much off the hook. If you're a famous person, if you're a normal person, your life is over. Yeah. But if you're a famous person, you know, you're off the hook within 10 hours. But, I mean, could Laporta have just relied on the fan base to, not to say forget this or get rid of this, but, you know, how long, I, I, I don't know if he wants to play a game of chicken with the with the fans, with them, I mean, with the fans at the Gold Nord, you know, I don't know if with the, the you know, the, the primary supporter group, I don't know if he wants to play chicken with them. And, you know, did he have to make action? Did he have to say something? But if he did, I don't see how this press conference is the thing that kind of fixes that relationship. Because I, I think the club obviously would want to get, get this off their plate as fast as humanly possible. And I just yeah, I don't want know to if bury that press this. conference does that. No, I mean, look, I think as... It was something noticeable. So, I mean, you know, invariably, you know, he and Javi would have been asked about the, you know, the, I guess the disproportionate number of Eintracht Frankfurt fans that, that were there. And actually, I mean, even the day of um, my wife who knows nothing of German football and, uh, but she, she came and she actually asked me, she's like, are Barca playing a German team? Cause she'd gone for a walk. And, and I showed her the, the Eintracht crest. And I was like, did you see a lot of this? And she's like, yeah. And a ton of like black and white scarves. And she's just like a lot of Germans around. <laughs> and so, I mean, look, it was, it was happening. Like the, the thing was bubbling, but so someone was going to be asked about this. I mean, you know, the, the press weren't going to let this completely fizzle out, but I don't think you needed to, I don't think Laporta needed to engage with it as, I don't know, as, 
it's not even directly isn't the right word, but I don't know that he needed to sort of get into the get into the viper pit with this thing as yeah, much as he I did. Mean, his style is strength. His style is you just I mean, that's what he did when the results were bad, had his little his little yeah. uh, meet, not even meet and greets, but he had his little presentations. And, mm-hmm. you know, Laporta will this is for better or worse. Right. When the club is doing mm-hmm. well, then he's operating from a position of strength and all of these, you know, talks and press conferences. They make a ton of sense because it gets yeah. people to buy in and say, hey, you know, Barcelona is a player again on the world scene. And yep. not to say that things have changed since he was the president the first time, but the way that these clubs, and I'm talking about the top, what, 12 money makers mm-hmm. in, in world football, there are millions of supporters now. There are so many more supporters now than when he was president even the first time. He's, yep. They've just attracted so many new supporters. And so he is speaking on behalf of a lot of people. And I, I think again, when a, when a club is good, this magnanimous figure—you know—you could say that there's something populist about Laporta, the way he speaks. But yeah, the, the, these populist leaders—they certainly come from a position of strength, and you feel there is a power in that dynamic. And I think it is a selling point. Like Laporta's strength is a selling point for free agents, for uh, in meetings, for other players to come to the club. And yep. for the club itself to believe that, hey, we have the backing of this this important mm. figure and Laporta is our shield. He is our umbrella. He will take on yep. the controversy, right? So that Busquets as captain doesn't have to worry about the fact that he's getting jeered at his own stadium because the president is taking the, the, the brunt of that. And I think yeah. not to not to you know go the opposite way on this, but yeah, I mean, maybe I wouldn't have done it the same way, but I understand why Laporta feels like he has to. My questioning oh, was I to- I what, he, totally do- what he did say, though, and just the way that, yeah, I mean, again, as long as he said, we'll take responsibility and we'll be re- accountable for it without blaming anybody. I you could have stopped, right? Yeah, yeah. you could have stopped right there and you'd have been okay. Yep. Because I agree. I mean, I think it's his, uh, kind of like you touched on, his, it's his, you know, innate nature as a politician combined with I think there was a sense that the previous regime didn't stand front and center and and answer for answer for actions or address things that were going wrong. So I feel like he also has a sense that based on the behavior of his predecessors, he needs to be more visible and more vocal and kind of be that, you know, be that captain, be that be that very vocal and visible leader in the front. Yeah, and I think people, too, have lost kind of the point or what the line is. Like, I saw mm-hmm. way too many people that I respect discussing getting getting Bochwas Noyes back into the stadium, which is insane. You know, they were banned in 2003 yeah. for a combination of being neo-Nazis, violent, death threats for Laporta. That's absurd. I mean, again, this is coming yeah. from people I respect. And there's no yeah, way. And, no and way. That, and that group, too, outside of the confines of the stadium, too, is reportedly allegedly whatever i mean they are tied to some really nasty really you know deeply criminal stuff yeah yeah you know, they and, never the history of being again this is into their own politics like they they're they're a yeah. they're a group that and you see this in sports they started on they started left wing and then in the 80s they I think it was the 80s and the 90s. They took a hard turn right, and essentially now they're all fascists. Or, yeah, exactly. You know, yep. I was yeah. about to say the the ADF, the F word next. Yep, that's what they got. They're they're, they're homophobic. They're sexist. They're violent. They're threatening. They're yeah. They're, they're of course they're not invited back to the stadium. And this belief yeah. that Barcelona need them to drum up some kind of support. I mean, Barcelona, especially when they 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 finish the Espai Barça project. They're gonna have one hundred five thousand supporters, right? And so yeah. you're you're trying to rectify the fact that you're there has to be a better way to not even incentivize people to want to come to the stadium. But I mean, if anything, this is a good opportunity. And this is, this is the positive spin on it. This might be an opportunity for the club to say, who are Barca supporter fans? How do we make our club accessible to Barca fans? How do we bring in more? How do we allow the, the tourists and those traveling to, you know, be a part of our, our club and feel welcome in our club and as far as the the fans back without home, completely mortgaging the atmosphere, but also at yeah. the same time without completely selling our souls, right? And and as far as the seventy eight hundred socios, why did they sell their tickets to German fans? And asking those questions, other than you know, because it is illegal to sell your ticket as a season ticket holder. But if they were to 
you know, put down more constraints on you cannot give it to a family member or a relative. It has to be you. That's, that's untenable. insane. That's impossible, right? So yeah. this is a this is a tough problem that the club has on its hands as to how to get the people that have put their hard-earned money into those tickets. And as Barcelona said you know, after that, right after the match, that a lot of it is families, it's legacy, and yeah. it, it is a fairly heirlooms. And it's hard to to take away something where through the generations, less people care about it. It, it is tough. And, you know, yeah, it, it's rough. I mean, I like, I brought this up months and months ago, I think, about I am still a member of my childhood church. And mm-hmm. I am two hours away. I, I you know, I, I send in my envelope with the dues. But unfortunately, that church has dwindled and dwindled in number. And eventually, mm-hmm. the church that I grew up in is going to close. And it's going to close because of my generation. We all left. We went away. Sure. Yeah. And... My my mother's generation and, and my aunt's generation, it's just it's it's not sustainable. The numbers keep dwindling. But for me, yeah. that church is everything. Like I will be yeah. heartbroken when I when I when those doors finally close, and I will be a part of that process because there's just going to be not enough people to close those doors. So even though I'm yeah. two hours away, I'll go back and I'll be a part of that process, and it'll be a really sad thing. And obviously, Barcelona, you know, are not the that's not the case. That's not the same thing. But I'm saying is no. as far as the extreme uh, the extreme situation that Barca are in where if they have too many of legacies or, or fair or, or those yeah. riding on fairly heirlooms, how do you get those people in those seats? And you can get people in seats. Again, there's enough tourists. There's enough people who want to get into that stadium for the right price and so, you can lower prices. So yeah. I think you're kind of touching on, and this isn't strictly a Barca problem. I think this is a, and I haven't been to, you know, to all the stadiums around Europe of the, of the major, major teams, but from what I understand, and you know, just even talking to longtime Barca fans and season ticket holders here, I think this is a fine line that all the glamour clubs, particularly in London, you know, Barcelona, Real Madrid, you know, those types of teams, it's a fine line that they're trying to walk where you have built these millions, tens of millions strong global fan bases. And so you have fans from Asia, the United States, you know, wherever, Africa, elsewhere in Europe, who want to make these pilgrimages to your mm-hmm. to your stadium and they and they want to support the club. On the other hand, you have, and you know, this is Barca Real Madrid, you know, Arsenal, Chelsea, you know, stuff like that, uh, Man United. It's you have people who aren't fans, but seeing a game at your stadium is a you know, is a bucket list item. So you have X number of thousands of those fans, presumably, you know, every week who who come through. How do you reconcile this sort of large tent welcoming environment while still maintaining some semblance of the kind of the soul in the environment that made people care about this, that, that yeah. made people far away care about this in the first place. Well, I, I think this is a Catalan situation. Go up and it's just you and a hundred thousand tourists there. Well, I don't know. I, th- it, I think you have to drum up the guilt in socio. <laughs> I think where, where, where the guilt yeah. lies is not for them to even still come out to the stadium. It's that if you're going to, hand your ticket off, or if you're going to take some kind of deal through a third-party agency for mm-hmm. your ticket, then make sure it's going to a Barcelona supporter. And that's almost like your response. Like, it, 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 I think that would be the next move, that Laporta would want to politically try to not incentivize, but almost guilt these socios and say, hey, like, if you love the club, at, even if you don't show up, even if you're trying to make money off this ticket, right? Because you yeah. can't, the more you say no to somebody, they're just going to want to do it even more. They're always going to find an avenue through the hotels. Or, I mean, there's so, there's so many well, ways. Well, also your, your knee-jerk reaction is, is going to be, look, so is this my ticket or is it yours? Are you loaning me this ticket? with from the club, terms and yeah. conditions you know and and i don't mean the you know don't run on the pitch don't be violent type of thing so are there now because if i buy a season ticket theoretically someone offers me two three hundred euros for it some you know some german tourist wants to go see eintracht Tra- frankfurt at camp now and they offer 300 euros for it and i'm probably not going to go anyway i mean who is the club to tell me yeah Right. To, to turn that down. And not only that, I guess then what? Put in the legwork to find a Barca fan who will pay me an amount yeah. that I find yeah, amenable. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's frustrating. Okay, I don't think there's an easy answer. Uh, I think we would have said that already. <laughs> so let's be quick about the, the PK dealings because that was another some just weird yeah. news, like bad news. Yeah. So what we got here is audio was released of PK helping to be a part of the deal getting the Spanish Super Cup to Saudi Arabia. 
It was uh, 100% a conflict of interest that PK denied. Again, this is a story that's not really a story. It's only a story because we're disappointed. <laughs> we're not mad. We're disappointed, PK. Exactly, um, yeah. With the Davis Cup, FC Andorra, there is plenty of conflict of interest abounding between he and then Luis Rubiales, the other major mm -hmm. figure here, the president of the RFEF. It is legal. So again, this is my take here. I'm switching over to my take mode. It's legal, but it's not really ethical, and it placates to me the Saudi Arabia stuff, sports washing, which I've mentioned before has been consistently my biggest issue with having the Spanish Super Cup in Saudi Arabia. Or, yeah. I mean, I understand in Morocco, in what it's been in Tangiers before, right? Yeah. Once or twice. So I understand having it there, you know, because again, that is technically, I mean, or was Spanish. I'm not going to get into the uh, geopolitical but, but also, stuff I mean, of that, there's but just, there's Spanish yeah, connections like, I mean, there for, you know, for neocolonialism reasons or not. And, and there's a lot of Moroccan, you know, immigrants and you know i mean just as far as like immigrants in andalusia right right of course yeah, yeah. exactly so um, it's there's a there's a natural connection there it's not a completely yeah. out of left field money grab you know right and so i yeah i think the sports watching part of it makes me frustrated and then you know it's been interesting to see his you know his response as well on his twitch because he is pk the biggest celebrity at the club easy he's married to the most famous person associated with fc barcelona he was raised <laughs> in a very wealthy catalan family and with that, there is this arrogance to him that just like Laporta, I think people... Well, he makes his grandfather safe. was a director too, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah his yeah. grandfather was a director. So like, you don't... like it, there's, a, there's a safety in having that, again, that magnanimous figure just kind of... That's why they call him a future president, just because he has yeah. that ability to handle that name recognition and that the burden of being this yep. celebrity. And he, he handles it just fine. And he seems to enjoy it and revel in it. So, I mean, yeah. when he's doing all those things on behalf of FC Barcelona and you feel like he's talking to you as a supporter and has your back as a Kool-Aid, you know, it's mm -hmm. really endearing. PK is an endearing figure. And his totally. Twitch channel is really personable and gives you access to a high-profile athlete that you wouldn't normally have. But then mm -hmm. the deals he's conducting the Davis Cup, owning FC Andorra, and the money we're talking about, the Saudi Arabia stuff, that is, there's a complete disconnect from what an average fan can understand, even about their lives or the things that they mm -hmm. have going on in their lives. And the, the decisions he makes for money and the decisions he makes for, quote-unquote, like the interests of the club. There's, yep. a, there's a brand interest of PK and a financial interest of PK, and then a, not a financial interest of Barcelona, but it, to, me, to, to me, it almost feels like there's play money. And unfortunately, yeah. where that where that monopoly money loses steam is when, again, he's part of this brain trust. And again, he's a player. So it does the, the questions yeah. that as a cool I'm almost hurt because I'm like, I can't complain about the referees if I find out that PK has a good relationship with Rubiales and actually Barcelona might have a good relationship with Javier Tebas, which is insane to say out loud. Yeah. But what if like, you know, with the CVC deal being privately negotiated between Barcelona yeah. and Tebas, right? And then like, you know, some idea that what would happen with Messi and it just, it feels weird. And it's like, I yeah. went through, we went so through, through so much of this with Bartomeu. Emil, I, I've, I think that's my point here. I'll give you the final word on it because I'm tired. That's what these stories mm -hmm. are to me. The, the Laporta thing, I get the Eintracht Frankfurt, like that situation yeah. as this, this thing that happened, this event that you then mm -hmm. have to deal with the, the fallout for. But the PK yeah. stuff is like, this just more of this nonsense that I just don't have time for. I'm tired. I don't want any more. Yeah. I just want to watch Barcelona win football matches for like a year or two or three and win a trophy or two. I want the next before this next gobbledygook. I want a trophy. That is what I want. I'm tired. <laughs> Stop it. PK, just do your Twitch channel and just come on. I know. I, well, I, yeah. So I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, it, it, it feels like so much longer than, you know, what, 10 days ago that the club was riding high and we felt like yeah. we turned a corner and, you know, for the, for the first time in kind of a long time, bad news was actually in, you know, I don't want to say in short supply because we weren't seeking yeah. it out, but there, it wasn't abundant. It's so that, that it's was that nice. meme, right? Why can't you be normal? The kid in the back seat. Said, oh said, my God. Meme. Yeah. That's what it is. Why can't you be normal? <laughs> I mean, they, I and they gave us stuff. a taste of it and it was so nice. You know, <laughs> like they were, they were a successful functional football club winning games yeah. and Playing. I know my wife was telling me like she she sometimes will look at my metrics yeah. you know just to be just yeah. to make sure that what I do with my time makes sense <laughs> still yeah. for our family and so she's looking yeah. at metrics and like she's like oh people are things are going well like you know you're getting positive responses on Twitter and your numbers yeah. are up and da 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 and then Eintracht Frankfurt happened and I went oh here we go there <laughs> like, goes the, the avalanche oh is my. returning <laughs> oh my goodness I know so and I mean it's like you said okay so there's the 
there's the on pitch sort of the the Barcelona entorno, you know. So mm-hmm. every time you know two two bad results and the world's on fire and nine guys need to be cut and you know everything. So that's okay. So that's a little bit par for the course. But then, and the thing is, I don't want to be completely cynical about this, but I feel like you know, I mean, we're we're, we're all kind of grown and, and world weary enough to to realize like there, this is the way these things get done. I mean, you know, it's you don't Barcelona and Real Madrid don't go and pal around in Jeddah or Riyadh or wherever they were because like it's some beating heart of footballer because that's where they want to be. I mean, there's so that there's been, you know, there's that unfortunate kind of reckoning that comes with that. I mean, you know, we're all going to, we're all going to have to have our, you know, have our internal discourse when the world cup comes rolling around too. Right. Well, that's what it is, right? Like Florentina Perez and Juan Laporta, they're more similar and have a, and probably a more chummy than yeah. Laporta would probably be to you because you are a normal person. You are an average person oh, yeah. probably living in America and he is another millionaire who lives in Spain and deals with the same Look, I, things. Yes. I live probably within 10 miles of where Juan Laporta currently is right now. Yeah. I don't know where he is, but I, I'm almost assuredly within 10 miles of it. And even if you took everything else out of it, you know, like we sit down to have a chat, we sit down to have some drinks and whatever. I mean, yeah, he has there's no so little common ground because so much of that is what it is this is all even as much as he tries to sell the populist message this is massive business and they're you know the spanish league is you know or the spanish federation and these clubs and everyone are trying to accumulate as much money as they can without always being you know, just completely nakedly capitalistic about it, or at least publicly nakedly capitalistic about it. They they try to just do, you know, they try to keep these, I don't even want to say dirty dealings, but these potentially objectionable or, you know, at the very least, really bad look dealings behind a curtain while saying, you know, hey, here's another two classicos that you can watch or yeah. whatever. And and hoping that that kind of helps the, helps the, the bitter pill go down. The thing that you said about said with PK was really interesting because, I mean, he's still an active player. Yeah. So that's the that's part the that really gets of interest. Me. That's that's yeah. like how what if Andorra and Barca meet in the Copa del Rey? Is it that, that's a, that's not an impossibility. Yeah, I mean, one he should be precluded from playing that game. I mean, he should just be disallowed from playing it. But because there was the whole thing when you know when Xavi was coaching in Qatar, there was you know every so often he'd there would be some media report about how he would talk about how Qatar is in fact, this really, you know, warm, welcoming, tolerant, diverse place yeah. that is just, and that made me cringe. And that, that made my skin crawl every time I read one of those things at the very least, he wasn't, you know, and I realized that wasn't part of Barca's business necessarily, but half the time he was being asked about coming back to coach Barcelona and, you know, he would slide in how awesome it was in Qatar in the meantime. And at the very least, you know, it was, okay, fine. This is the path you've chosen in your post-playing days. I may not like it, but whatever. We had your playing episode and this is where you are now. PK is still playing. And I understand he's, he's an entrepreneur and he has his hands in a whole lot of different, in a whole lot of different pots or pies. I'm not even sure what exactly what, what that analogy is, but um, yeah, you know, he, he has his money diversified. He's invested in a bunch of stuff. And the fact that this is coming out now. I mean, you're negotiating on behalf of your team, but not on behalf of your team, on behalf of your business interests yeah. and your team and your league and your country's football federation and making deals with pretty odious regime in Saudi Arabia. It just it, like you said, it's not illegal, man i mean it's just like it's such a bad look yeah i mean it's and like you said too the the laporta thing was in response to a bad thing that had happened so there was at least a triggering event that had prompted his response this sounds like it was just this is business as usual yeah but you know a little bit of light got shined on on how it goes down and you know, no, no one's really happy with that, but they, they found a way to do it legally. And it just basically, it's the worst of both worlds where there will be no repercussions, I feel like. And it just, it looks so bad and embarrassing. Yep. 
Yep. All right. I, I, yeah. I mean, it's going to keep happening though. Cause I mean, that's, what, yeah. <laughs> that's what happens, <laughs> because, but, yeah, because the world, you know, yep, just because, because of all of yep. the, <laughs> and, uh, all right. Well, we're I not going to solve, I, I think we've solved nothing <laughs> here, but hopefully Barcelona can solve some of their own problems. Xavi can solve some of their own problems on Thursday. So yeah, look out for the match review on the YouTube channel on Thursday, as well as a podcast later in the week as well. But for now, I want to thank Emil. If I can go out on one positive note, I will yeah. say that, uh, I am returning to camp now on Friday night to, uh, uh, see Barca Femini play uh, oh, Wolfsburg and that is I am you know I just I wanted to slide in a little bit of yeah, kind of glee and happiness because it's apparently going to be another record crowd mm-hmm. and just you know if it's anything like the last time it's fantastic so it's it's nice to know that even in the midst of all of this garbage <laughs> you know yeah. there's there's a there's a little bit of something happy that we can, yeah, we I mean, can unless, latch on to yeah unless we have 50,000 Wolfsburg fans in the stadium and then it's a whole Whole little oh my but god anyway Can you imagine <laughs> no no I, i'm not gonna imagine that so we're, we're gonna forget about that so all right anyway that's uh, follow me on twitter down in the shows below we're on instagram and twitter at the barcelona pod or at helping d13 for me close facebook group patreon youtube match reviews on youtube and some other stuff there as well you know where to find us but most importantly thanks so much for listening to the barcelona podcast until next time talk to you soon forza barca forza barca Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.